again, welcome to church. If you just join us, uh, especially if you just join us for the first time, we want to welcome you. If you join us from Facebook, uh, leave, leave a message and say hi. My name is Ferdinand. I'm the pastor of Rock City Church. We, we, we've been looking at the book of Job for 16 weeks now. And we've got two more weeks to go after this week before we move on to a new series. But we'll come back to the book of Job. I'm going to finish the book of Job next year. Um, last week, we looked at Job 18, where Bildad, Job's friend, spoke for the second time. And if the, the rest of the book of Job, you, you will see there's three cycles of speeches. Each of Job's friend will speak three times, except Jophar, he'll only speak twice. And uh, we're going to listen to Jophar next week for the last time. And then we, we will have another friend coming on the scene named Elihu. He'll, he'll speak the most. But... We have to wait for that now. Uh, that, that'll, that'll be next year before we get to Elihu and, where, and also when God speaks to us. But feel free to read ahead on the book of Job. But today we're going we, we, to continue on and looking at Job 19, Job's response to Bildad's uh, words in Job 18. And Job 18, last week, we looked at about how, Job, uh, how Bildad accused Job for being wicked. And he reminded Job, uh, the places, the place for wicked people is hell, um, and torment, and and the terror of life, when when you live a life without God. So a life in the absence of God, last week we look at, is like hell, really. Um, and and we learn that the absence of God, while well, the absence of God is hell, uh, joy doesn't come in the absence of suffering. Sometimes we think we will have joy if we don't have suffering. And we learn that's not the case. Hell, uh, joylessness actually comes in the absence of God, not in the absence of suffering. In fact, there are people who suffer deeply and going through hardship and have lots of joy because they have the presence of God in their life. So that, that was last week. And this week, we're going to look at Job's response to that when, when he was being accused for being wicked and hell is his place. Torment will be his portion. And how do Job respond to that? Well, this week, we're going to look at how Job feels about all this. Uh, we're going to look at Job's feeling, really, today, specifically, and his feeling about those around him, his friends, his family, his wife, and God, how does Job feel about all this uh, during all this hardship about, about his friends and his family and God? So before we, we get into the details of today's sermon on, on Job 18, I just want to ask and let us think about this question. Have you ever been let down by people in your life? Have you ever been disappointed by anyone in your life? Uh, I'm sure you have, like myself, I'm sure I have. And not only that, I'm sure I've let people down in my life as well. And perhaps I've let people down more than I being let down by others. And that's, that's, that's life. Uh, the fact that we have ex certain expectations from someone and we, we have standard, that means there's possibility that people will not meet that standard, will fall short of that expectation of that standard. And when that happened, we'll be disappointed uh, by, by, 
by our friends or family or, or spouse even. So that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, what is our hope when everyone else have failed us and let us down in life? When circumstances let us down, when people let us down, what is our hope and how we get through that? So we're going to learn from, from Job today, um, Job 19, under three headings, that Job has failed by his friends, the first one, Job failed by his family, and finally, Job redeemed by God. So that's our final point. So the first one, failed by friends. Job failed by his friends. Um, I believe many of us have been let down uh, by our friends. The closer you are with someone, the higher the chance that person will let you down. And that's, that's just how it is. Uh, if, you do not, if you have not been let down by your friends, perhaps you have not have close friends in your life. Uh, why, why do I say that? Because if the, the closer you are to someone, to your friends, the higher your expectations are for that person in your life. And the higher the expectation that you have for that person, for that friends in your life, the higher the chance for that person to let you down because you have such high expectation from that person. So I, I believe many of us have, have been let down in our life. And, and like Job, Job tells us in verse 2, let me read again uh, chapter 19, verse 2 for us. Job says this, How long will you torment me and break me in pieces with words? So Job was let down by his friends to the point that he feels that he's being tormented and he's been broken to pieces by the words, by the treatment of his friends. Um, I know I've said that all of us have been let down by friends before in the past, perhaps by our spouse if you're married, uh, perhaps by our children or children, perhaps by your parents. But maybe not to the extent of saying that I've been tormented or broken into pieces the way that Job described how he feels about his friend and his friend's treatment. I mean, we heard Bildad last week, how Bildad was so strong in, in his words against Job. Uh, he accused Job of being wicked and the, places, the place for the wicked people is hell. Um, there's only torment, terror of life. Now, um, Job feels that his friends have failed him big time. And, and he, he say that many times already, but in this chapter, he, he outlined everyone else that have failed him in his life. You know, if one person failed you, perhaps that's okay if you got another person to go to, to rely on, uh, that care for you, that understand you. But if you read chapter 19, you will see how Job feel like everyone else have left him and failed him. And the first one is his friends. And whether that's true or not, 100% uh, accurate or not, I'm, I'm not certain here. Surely, Bildad and, and Jophar and Eliphaz has said things that are untrue about Job. Uh, they, they may have said theologically sound doctrine, truth, but not for Job. But whether that's a torment of, to Job, uh, I'm not sure. Um, I, I don't think we can be certain. Only Job would know um, whether Job is over 
uh, over exaggerate in this case because tall men uh, have this sense of in intentionality, right? It's not coincident. Uh, it's it, the intention. It's uh, intentional. So whether Job's friends' intention is to torment Job, to harm Job, uh, we cannot be certain because if, if they are Job's friends, I think their intention could be to bring Job to repentance because they believe that Job has sinned and, and they use strong words hoping that Job would turn around and repent. So whether their intention is to hurt and torment Job, uh, we, we cannot be sure, but it certainly has tormented Job. Whether that's their intention or not, that's the one that we can't be sure. Um, and the thing is, when you are in deep suffering, when people have let you down in your life, you may make judgment that are incorrect in your life. You may have misjudged people, uh, make the wrong judgment or make the wrong decisions. And, and perhaps some of the things that we looked at about Job is, is, is that, belongs to that category. You know, how, how he's so adamant. Like, okay, let me jump to um, uh, verse 21, Job 19, verse 21. This is one of the misjudgments, I believe. Have mercy on me, have mercy on me, O you, my friends, for the hand of God has touched me. Now, well, Job didn't know this, uh, but you and I know this. In the opening chapter of the book of Job, it wasn't God's hand who touched Job, was it? It was actually the hands of Satan. Yes, God allowed Satan to do that, but God, it, it is clear when God said, you can touch his family, his wealth, uh, even his, his health, but not his life. So it was Satan who touched Job, but when he's being feeling tormented, being uh, in the being failed by his friends, he make judgment call like this that is untrue. He blamed God in a sense, uh, so to speak, for his suffering that God's hands had touched him. But that's not the case. It was the hands of Satan that touched Job. Now, however, regardless of the intention of Job's friends, uh, verse two says that Job feels tormented by his friends and have broken him in pieces. Now, if, if you're listening this morning, whether through Zoom or through Facebook um, or through our recording, and you feel that you can identify with Job, how you felt being let down by the friends, by your friends, uh, you've been hurt deeply in your life, uh, words of your friends perhaps, whom you trusted have tormented you, um, perhaps even this thing that troubled you and hurt you happened a long time ago, yet you still remember it clearly as it was just happened yesterday. And if that's you, I want to say that God's care, God, God cares for you. If you still feel the pain and the betrayal so real, even today, after so many years, I want to say that God cares for you and he does not forget your pain. And I pray that this message this morning will heal your heart and to see that regardless how painful or your experience has been, how you have been betrayed by your friend, there's one person who will never ever leave you nor forsake you. And his name is our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So that's the message for you this morning. If, if that's you, if you could identify with Job. Um, this, is, this is beautiful, I think, for us to spend time in the book of Job, to see the life of Job. And, and if you're suffering and you see Job suffering and you could identify with Job, perhaps that could provide some relief in your life. How? How could that provide some relief, reading someone else suffering? Well, because the best comfort often comes when, when, when you see that you're not alone, that someone else have gone through similar or even worse pain than you are, worse suffering, worse hardship than you are. And, and that's my prayer for you. And, and the reason is, I think, uh, have, you, have you ever heard someone say, or perhaps you even say that to someone when try, someone try to comfort you and to give you an answer to your hardship and suffering, you say, you don't know how I feel. You just don't understand. Um, have you ever said that or have, have anyone else said that to you? You know why people say that? Because perhaps that's absolutely true. Uh, you never experience the pain and the suffering of your friend that you try to comfort. And they rightly would say, you don't understand. You've never been in my shoes. Um, you don't know how I feel. So that's why I believe uh, reading the book of Job, understanding the situation, the hardship, the suffering that Job's going through could help us, especially if we could identify with Job in a certain ways. Because the best comfort sometimes come when we see the suffering that we're experiencing is not unique to us. Someone else have gone through similar suffering. Uh, so, for example, um, parents who have lost a child uh, to cancer, they, they would, best, uh, would be the best people to help others who is going through similar situation. I may not be able to provide the same care and comfort because I've never experienced that. And they would and could rightly accuse me of saying, well, you don't understand. You never lost a child to a cancer. How can you say all these things? Uh, so, if, you know, um, or perhaps you, you've been through torment and betrayal by your friends and, and forgave that person. And then you can provide support and help to those who, who are still bitter by the betrayal of their friends. Because you say, I've been betrayed my life. And this is how I've gone through it. How I see the love of God help me to go through it. So, however, there's a, there's a warning here. Um, let, let's look at verse 5. Chapter 19, verse 5. If indeed you magnify yourself against me and make my disgrace an argument against me. You see, this is a mistake by Job's friends trying to comfort Job, thinking that they know what Job is going through. And by doing, sometimes when, when we see our friends um, experience the same or similar kind of suffering or hardship, we feel we know exactly how they feel. And because of that, we can be trapped into thinking that we know exactly and we lift ourselves ourself high up to a position of authority and be so certain that telling our friends, I know exactly how you feel. 
Well, let us not make that mistake uh, and magnify ourselves in that case, because even though they may go through similar kind of hardship, what they experience, it could be totally different. The depth of pain could be totally different to how we have experienced it. So while we can be confident in, in comforting others who've gone through similar suffering, let us not get to a point where we magnify ourselves, lift ourselves so high and be so certain of knowing how they felt. So uh, let us look at point two then. Not only that Job feel, felt that he has been betrayed or failed by his friends, he's also been betrayed by his family. And this is perhaps one of the most hurtful ones, even more hurtful than his close friends. Because these are the people who are closest to him. These are the people who, are, who supposedly understand Job, right? He, but, but they don't. You know, I said before, the closer you are to a person, the higher the expectation that you have for that person. You know, when, you've, when you are let down by someone, it only happened because you expect certain things from that person. Rarely, we feel let down by people we barely know because we have no expectation of that person. So to be failed by the closer people in your life, your family, your spouse, that's perhaps is the most hurtful one for Job. And, and the first one that closest to Job is his own wife. And we have read how in, in Job chapter two, in the beginning, verse nine, uh, in the early stage of his suffering, his wife said to Job, do you still hold fast your integrity? Just curse God and die. That's his wife advice. Uh, can you imagine that? And if you're married, uh, apart from your, yourself, you, your spouse perhaps is the, uh, the only other person who understand and can tolerate yourself the most, your spouse. If anyone could understand you and tolerate you the most, perhaps it's your spouse. Um, some people say your mother as well. Um, say Job, Job longs for support and comfort from his wife, but he didn't get that, you see, and it just worsened, and he shared with us here how his wife has also failed him, just like his three friends. Um, let's read from verse 17, 19, 17. My breath is strange to my wife, and I'm a stench to the children of my mother, my own mother. Do you see that? His own wife, by this stage, can't even stand the smell of his breath. You know, husband and wife, when you spend time on the bed, uh, wake up in the morning um, before you brush your teeth, you know, that time, uh, if you love one another, you, you wouldn't, I mean, you, you, you wouldn't complain about the stench or, you know, oh, go, go brush your teeth and come back to bed. Uh, you probably wouldn't do that. And, and that, that, that is uh, so real, I think. That is so raw in what, uh, if you're married, you would know how this feels when, uh, when Job says this, my breath is strange to my wife. His wife complained about how smelly his breath is by this stage. She just can't stand him anymore. Um, Job was let down and failed by his own wife. 
And how about how about his own other his other relatives, the brothers, his brothers? He say that in verse 13 to 14. Let us read that. Job 19:13 to 14. He has put my brothers far from me, and those who knew me are wholly estranged from me. My relatives have failed me. My close friends have forgotten me. So if I can say. Uh, you know, you just read that words, the two verses. You just say, "People have failed me. My friends, my wife, my brothers, everyone failed me." He feel betrayed and let down by those people around him. Job extended family have let him down and failed him in times of his need. Uh, when when you are hurting, when 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 you feels that you are swimming against the tide. The stream of life and people against you. How do you persevere? Well, you persevere when you have the support of the people you, that you care and that you love, isn't it? You know, um, we we don't need the world to support us, do we? Sometimes we feel like that. Uh, but if you are Christian today, even if you are not Christian, if you if you don't believe in God. Uh, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you know, deep down, we we cannot satisfy everyone. We cannot make everyone else happy. We cannot make everyone agree with us, right? And and the same with this. As you're suffering in your life, as you've experienced hardship in your life, you don't really need the support of the entire world, but you need the support of those who closest to you. And Job looked that to his wife and to his family, and he didn't get it from them. Um, but there is hope in this chapter. It's a surprising hope in this chapter, and that leads us to our final point here. Um, and but before we move on to that, I just want to say to children: if you're not married, and if you are children, and you have parents, and if you if you're suffering. If you're facing hardship, whether in school, uh, in university, um, at work, you you don't need your colleagues to support you. You don't need your whole office or your whole friends to support you and rally behind you. You just need one or two closest people to you to support you, to encourage you. And if you're not married, perhaps they could be your parents who could support you and encourage you. And that's all you need in your life. Now, there's a surprising turn here in chapter 19, and and this is perhaps I'm talking about verses 25 to 27. This is perhaps the most famous verses in the book of Job, in the entire book of Job. This is perhaps the most famous of all, and perhaps if you never study the book of Job in detail. You may even have heard these verses. Not only perhaps, not only the Book of Job. Perhaps this could be even the most one of the most famous verses in the entire Bible. And so let let me read it for us. Verse twenty five. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last, He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. And my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. Ah,、oh, what a beautiful 
versus and hope filled and faith filled verses that is um, and these words from job should come as a surprise to us why well because we we look at briefly of what job has been saying how how people around him has failed him how god's hand has touched him so he feel not only that his friends failed him, his wife failed him, his friends, his brothers failed him, but God himself has touched his life and failed him. Now, and then suddenly there's this 180 degree turnaround. And he says, my Redeemer lives. Where's that coming from? Uh, so this should come as a surprise because Job was seemingly hopeless and helpless. Now suddenly he's so hope-filled in his words. He as he declares, my Redeemer lives. See, and, and he also say this. This is, this is important because this is the response to build at chapter 18, right? In a sense. Um, so he said, my Redeemer lives. And at last he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been thus destroyed, after he's dead, you see, after he's dead, yet in my flesh I shall see God. That is hope. Remember in, um, in chapter 18, verse 14, when Bildad accused Job of being wicked, Bildad says, wicked people, you'll be brought to the king of terrors. So, when, if you're wicked, after you die, you will see the king of terrors. But Job is so confident, so hope-filled when he said, my Redeemer lives. Even when after I die, I will see God, not the king of terrors. I think at this point, it's good to look at the last, um, the last verse of chapter 19. And let me read to you. Be of, this is Job's warning to his friends and to you and to me perhaps listening this morning. Be afraid of the sword for wrath brings the punishment of the sword that you may know there is a judgment. There is a judgment in this life. And in that judgment day, will you be facing, the question is, will you be facing the king of terrors as Job um, Job's friends accuse Job for in chapter 18 because he's being wicked or like Job here confessed with faith my Redeemer lives when I die I will see God I will behold him which one are you will you be brought to the king before the presence of the king of terror or God himself uh, that is, that is Job's hope, and that is a beautiful hope that Job has, which, I mean, it's amazing how that comes in, how, how, that, how Job has that. I, you know, I've been studying this book, and there's no clear answer apart from that's God's grace for Job. He's, he's been so bitter, he feels that everyone's failed him, yet there's this sudden turnaround that we don't know where that comes from apart from if... If that could happen to Job, it has to be God's work in Job. That has to be God's grace in Job. How can you felt so low 
in the bottom, in the most bottom pit of your life, and yet suddenly you can say, my Redeemer lives, I shall see God. If not for God's grace in his life, that I could say is not possible. So if you're suffering, if you're facing hardship, you feel that there's no answer, uh, our tendency is to try harder, right? Our tendency to just, oh, you know, I, I want to ignore this feeling that I, my friends failed me. I want to ignore it. I just want to rebuke it. I want to say no to it. But you know, that's not the solution. And the solutions, I, I think, is what Job is doing here. Job is being honest with his feeling. He's being raw with his feeling. And yet, God sees that as something beautiful from Job. His honesty. He even accused God, you see, in this point. He accused God for touching his life. And yet, God gracefully, graciously giving this hope and faith for Job until Job can say, my Redeemer lives. I know the, the book of Job can be depressing to read. And as some of you have indicated, um, how we, you know, how hard it is to study and read the book of Job and how, how, how difficult it is to spend like the past three months in, in the message of suffering and hardship. Yet, um, this book contains a lot of hope. If you can see, when you suffer, if you can see how Job has suffered, my prayer is that um, it could help you. It could help us a little bit from our pain and hardship. Now, I want to say a little bit about, about Redeemer. The idea of Redeemer, who's Redeemer here? Well, we know the Redeemer is our Lord Jesus Christ, if you read the New Testament. Yet in the Old Testament, Redeemer speaks about covenant, people who will, who will fight for your right, who will fight for justice for you. Not only when you are alive, they will fight for you even after you're dead. They will fight for you. So they will stand by your spouse who or your children whom you left behind, they will fight for you. They will stand by you. They will do everything they can for your sake. And death does not stop that. It's a covenant. And that's how strong it is. So that's how beautiful Job's faith is when he says, my Redeemer lives. So remember the story of Ruth and Boaz? Um, Ruth has no Ruth and his mother and her mother-in-law Naomi has has no hope, um, and then suddenly come the kinsman redeemer by the name of Boaz come to rescue them to redeem them, and that is what we see here. Now, let me share a little story about how Job could help us. Um, when we are suffering is because Job has suffered deeply. And my prayer and from my understanding is, yes, there are people who perhaps suffered as deeply as Job. But for most of us, uh, perhaps we would never experience such suffering in our life. Yes, we suffer, we experience hardship, but the depths of Job's suffering, it's, it's out of this world. It's, it's one, of, one of the kind. And when we can see that, when we can learn from Job, 
it could comfort us, you see, because Job has been there. Now, um, I one, one of the most amazing women or people, actually, I've ever read is by the name of Elizabeth Elliot. Uh, she wrote many books. Uh, she suffered tremendously. Um, when, when I think about Job and I think about people suffering, uh, people that I've read or I know that have suffered, perhaps Elizabeth Elliot come close uh, to, to Job suffering. And she has suffered so much in her life. And then amazingly, in one, one of the book, when, or either a book or a sharing that she, said, she shared in a conference, she says she received a letter from, a friend, from, from her friends who just lost a newborn child. And they share with her how painful and how difficult it is for them to lose their stillborn child. And this is what's amazing. When, he, when she received that letter, even though she has suffered much more and deeply even, uh, Elizabeth Elliot didn't feel like she is the right person to respond to that letter because she said, I've never lost a child. Yes, I've suffered tremendously in my life. Um, her first husband was uh, speared to death by the, by the Indian as he tried to uh, uh, evangelize to them, uh, be a missionary to that um, group of people, he was speared to death. And, and her second husband um, died of cancer all of a sudden. And, you know, she gone through so much in her life, yet she feel that she's ill-equipped inadequate to respond to this suffering friend who lost a child. So like, how can I be possibly of help to them when I've never experienced the loss of a child? So she, 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 in the end, she forwarded a, a letter from another friend uh, who suffered similarly, who had lost his child as well. And he write and say, you know, I don't know how you must have feel at this time because I've never experienced that, but I've got a friend here and I, I, this is his letter. He has experienced what you experienced and perhaps he could be of help for you. And one thing I learned from that is however deep your suffering is, um, to see and to identify with another person who have gone through the same suffering as you will bring a lot of comfort and hope in your life. So when you're going through hardship in your life and when it seems that there's no way out and in your life, I want you to know that God cares and God loves you. Now you, I'm, I'm not trying to say that as a, you know, as cliche, um, you know, I know that, but I'm still suffering. I'm still hurt here. And I can understand, after all, you know, um, while, it'll, while knowing God loves us and care for us can offer some comfort, you would say, well, it doesn't really help me much beyond that, does it? I'm still suffering. So how can God really help me? Um, let me? Let me give an example what I mean by that. 
say you're suffering, uh, you're in a difficult situation, and then a stranger come along. A stranger out of the blue and just say, hey, uh, I know how you feel. I care about you. I love you. Does it offer any help? I don't think so. Why? Well, first, he was a stranger. That person is stranger. He doesn't know you. Um, he doesn't know, not only doesn't know you, he doesn't really offer any concrete help to help you out. And also, he doesn't know how deeply you are suffering. He's a stranger who just come by and just say, you know, I care about you. Uh, push on. You can do it. It doesn't mean anything, does it? When that comes from a stranger. But when God says he cares for you, he loves you, it carries a much deeper meaning than a stranger coming along your life and say, I love you, I care for you, so you should push on with your life. And let me explain. Uh, you see, when, when, when Job says, my Redeemer lives, I shall see him, even in death, in the worst kind of hardship, if Job's Redeemer is there with him, Job feels that he's fine. Why? Because of that relationship. He knows that God is not stranger to him. When God says God cares and loves for him, he knows that God knows his deepest heart. Well, Job has been honest, hasn't he, with his feeling? He's been honest all along and been open all along, and he knows God knows how he feels. And that means something for Job. Job... Um, didn't say those words that my Redeemer lives um, to anybody. He, he, he direct that to the Most High God who knows him deeply. Now, unlike the strangers, how, how God, when God says he loves you, he cares for you, how can that be of help for you? Well, because unlike the strangers, Jesus knows us. The Bible says that Jesus knitted us, planned for our lives before the foundation of the world. Not only Jesus know our, our past and our present, Jesus know our future. And he loves us. So he's not like stranger who doesn't know us. The Bible even says, even a single thread of your hair falls to the ground, God knows. That kind of God knows you intimately, says he loves you. So he's not like strangers who don't know us. And secondly, Jesus can sympathize with us, unlike the stranger who said, you know, I love you, push on. And not knowing how we feel, how deeply we've hurt, Jesus knows how, how deeply we, we've been hurt and how people have failed us perhaps. And when you lost someone in your life, Jesus knows that. He can sympathize uh, with us. Um, see, rather than, rather than tormenting us, like Job's friend tormenting Job, God didn't say things to torment us. He sent, God sent his son Jesus to take our torments upon his shoulders. He take upon his shoulders our torment, our suffering or shame. He took all of them upon himself. God sent his son to suffer like no others, even more so than Job has suffered. 
So not only that he can say to us that he cares for us, he can sympathize with us. He can sympathize with our suffering. Now, finally, I, I've said this before, as much as we want as many people to support us in our suffering, as many people to come on board and, and rally behind us, we only need the closest person to do that for us. I mentioned, you know, if you're married, perhaps your spouse is what you're looking for to support you and rally behind you. I don't care about anyone else. If they don't believe in me, that's fine as long as my spouse believes in me. If you're, if, if, if you're not married, you say, you know, I don't care everyone else. If my brother believes in me or my sister believes in me or my parents believe in me, that's enough. But Job shows us that even those people can fail us. And there's only one person in your life that will never forsake you and fail you. And that person, and that's the only person you need to rally behind you and to strengthen you and to let you persevere through any kinds of suffering in your life. And that person is Jesus. You don't need the whole world supporting you and rallying behind you. You only need one person. And that one person is Jesus. Jesus is the only true source for our hope, for our strength when we are facing all kind of hardship in this life. No one else can. And because we know that our Redeemer lives and that He loves us, we can persevere, we can be loving, we can endure, and we can have joy. Because joy comes not in the absence of suffering, but in the presence of God. Let us pray and sing this song.